Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with us, Kimberly Brooks. She's also known as the carniv- as Carnivore Kimberly. She is a certified level two master coach through Primal Blueprint, the Mark Sisson uh, program. And recently, she has become board certified in health and wellness coaching. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi, it's nice to be here. Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to be discussing uh, how you can ditch the sad diet. Like, what are some benefits? What are some ways that you can get on a diet that are a let's, let's say lifestyle that is so much better and so much more satiating and makes you happy instead of being miserable. So let's talk a little bit about that. But first I want to hear your background. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now. Sure. So I have been an athlete my entire life. I started swinging golf clubs at two Uh, I was a softball pitcher growing up. I went to college to play volleyball and I was always really attracted to sugar and carbs. And I felt that looking back on it now, kind of knowing what I know that I was definitely dealing with some sugar addiction, carb addiction, compulsive eating, binge eating, and that shaped my young adulthood as I was trying to figure out how can I get back to that athletic person that I used to be. Uh, In college, I blew out my knee, as so many young women do, and it sidelined me. I ended up gaining over the course of several years, like 60, 90 pounds. I got up to 260 pounds. And I was very large, very uncomfortable. My clothes didn't fit. I had zero self-confidence, completely miserable. And I did everything that people told me to do to lose weight from switching from white bread to whole wheat bread, to running miles on the treadmill, to starving myself and counting calories, to just eat bowls of broccoli and chicken breast. And it, it, none of that worked for me. I would drop 20 pounds and then gain 25 and then lose 15 and gain 10 back. And so I was on this, this roller coaster of weight loss and weight gain, not to mention my hair was falling out. I had eczema on the backs of my legs. I had super bad anxiety. I would just chew my nails off until they would bleed. Um, I had a lot going on. (laughs) Um, When I got into my older 20s, I started noticing that every time I would eat, I would bloat like super bad. And I would eat a meal, whatever it was, you know, I'd have a healthy salad or even steak and Brussels sprouts was like one of my favorite things. I would bloat. And I began a search in 2010 for answers to why I felt this way, why I had no energy. And a friend of mine put me onto the primal blueprint. And I went there and I started reading some of the success stories that people had about the weight loss that, that they had, the success that they started to have getting off of the sugar. That was a huge thing for me. And the, uh, the primal blueprint identifies several foods that should be I mean, avoided 
for lack of a better word, and I don't like necessarily saying that there are good and bad foods, just foods that you choose. And then you make that choice whether to move towards your goals or away from your goals. And so that's you know kind of up to the individual to, to determine for them. Um, but grain-based carbohydrates, so anything made with flour, you know, cereal, bread, pasta, cookies, cake, all that, all that good stuff that actually serves as a vehicle for something else. Cause you never eat a plain slice of white bread. You always put something on it. Um, so it's cardboard that you try and make taste like other things. Uh, the other one was refined sugar. I don't think we even need to beat that dead horse about why refined white sugar is not the best nutritional source. Uh, and then refined seed oils, which cause a huge amount of oxidation in the body. And it focused on whole natural foods like meats and vegetables. And so in 2010, I began this experiment, if you will, to get myself off of the standard American diet. And so that led me to eat primal for several years. I lost 75 pounds. And then that led me to the carnivore diet when I really wanted to take it to the next level because I was still experiencing some bloating and discomfort after meals. I had cystic acne like all along my jawline. And that's whenever I went carnivore, lost an additional 15 pounds of just water weight and inflammation. And here we are today. Here we are today, board certified. And I just want to share this with the world. I love that. And I, I totally feel that journey. I, you know, that's, that's my life right there in a nutshell, but it took me 40 years to get there, but yeah. Hey, I'm there. So there you go. Okay. Well, so I mean, I'm, I'm 35 to be fair. Um, so it, it can take a while. Well, you look, yeah. well, you look healthy and absolutely beautiful. So Thank kudos you. to you. God. I'm so glad that you found, you know, a way to get your health back yeah. and everything, get your life back. I, th yes. I don't think what yes. people fully understand that because health is everything. I mean, yes, it's nice to look good on the outside. Absolutely. I'm not gonna lie, but the health from inside out, life becomes easier. Things yes. start looking more in color instead of you know, shades of yes. gray. And yeah. it, it is just this wonderful feeling. Okay. So we're going to talk about getting off the sad diet, ditching it, whatever you want to say. And what, let's first talk about what is wrong with the sad diet. You mentioned foods and et cetera, but what are other issues when you're on the sad diet, which is a standard American diet that a majority of people live by. And it's also kind of fits in with the food pyramid, really. I mean, obviously not the, the cakes and cookies thing, except <laughs> for in moderation, but you know, that, that whole uh, bottom portion is just filled with grains. And then they limit the stuff that's actually very nutrient dense, like like meat, you know, and, like and healthy animal fats, right? So the standard American diet is just, oh my gosh. So tell us what is wrong with that? Not just the food, but what does this do to you? Like, what are the, what is the problem with that? Why are people not thriving on this? Where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever oh, works for you. Um, okay. 
so so if you look at what the average American is eating, and and I know that on your podcast we are speaking to to an audience that, in my opinion, is above average. But mm-hmm. I'm sure that we all started at at this point with with probably the exception of very few people. But but we started on the standard American diet, which is very high in carbohydrates. The food pyramid, as you say, recommends six to eleven servings of grains a day. That is. I mean, if you, if you do, I mean, it depends on the serving, like, ah, you know, it just, it's spider webs. But, but if we start with the base of the food pyramid, you are looking at insidious weight gain over, over the course of your lifetime, because when you eat a refined grain product, you know, bread, pasta, anything like that, it's going to spike your blood glucose because your body cannot tell the difference between two tablespoons of white sugar and a slice of bread. It does the same thing in your body. So when that goes in, spikes the glucose, the insulin basically turns it into fat. And now you're on this bloating inflammation, weight gain, and it just, it stays. And they've recently started doing research on body fat and that your fat is not just you know, some dumb excess thing hanging on your body. It's an organ. Your fat is an organ and it communicates with the rest of your body. Your body, um, in, in, whenever I first heard it, I, I was a little bit, mm, you know, but, (laughs) but at the end of the day, what is your fat made of? What is that fat communicating to your body that I am healthy and ready to fuel you or that I am made of corn pops and pop tarts and, you know, that pizza that you ate for dinner last night and you just get sluggish. There's like a, a weighing down when, at least for me, when, when I ate those foods. Um, but, and, and I mean, that's just where it starts. You, you look at the, like, you know, we were talking about before I hopped on, I was looking at the, the current ish as current as they have obesity rates. 42%, 42%. And that is largely attributed to the massive amount of just carbohydrates that people have every single day. Um, Mark Sisson's primal blueprint shows that if, you know, he, he cites, he's got Brock, which is the caveman. And then he's got Korg, which is the average everyday guy getting up, waking up, you know, having his coffee with sweetener in it and driving to work with a protein bar. And then getting to work and having a hamburger at lunch and just all of these, you know, everything's fried and in, in the seed oils, like we talked about the, the standard American diet, there is a, it, it is very corporate and they, there are people with jobs in America that they're food scientists and their job is to determine which smoke flavor tastes the best because they are trying to stimulate those brain chemicals, those hormones, dopamine, serotonin, all those good things. And it's designed to be addicting. And you talk about, you know, children being exposed to soda whenever they're basically weaned off soy formula. Mm-hmm. The, the absolute state of nutrition in this country is heartbreaking. Because once those children 
get that taste of cotton candy or sugar or what, and I get it, you know, childhood is a magical time. You want your children to have fun, but there's this pervasive thought process that food is fun and food is not fun for the large part of human, the, the larger part of human history, food has been fuel. And we have had to have a high level of activity to find food. And we're in this sedentary, sad diet. I mean, it's, it is a vicious cycle. It's the perfect storm for metabolic dysfunction, cancer, diabetes, stroke, heart attack. You look at these numbers and they're just offensive. And at the end of the day, you are in control of what you put in your body, whether it's the food you eat, the liquids you drink, the media that you take in, that there are other options out there and there is a way to get your health back. But Kimberly, come on. I mean, the <laughs> government wouldn't be wrong. I mean, look at all the, the research. I mean, it shows oh, how science wonderful settled, right? the science is absolutely settled. Yeah. And it says that you can eat whatever you want, so long as you moderate it and be sure you're getting lots of healthy grains. Yeah. So what do you say to that? I mean, it, the doctor tells you that. I mean, your dietitians say that. So, so what's going on there? So to, to preface this unpackable question, <laughs> um, a lot of times in, in certain states, nutritionists are required to dispense FDA approved nutrition guidelines. And uh, that's fair, you know, okay, you, you know this going in, but if you take a step back and look at the macro view of what we've got going on, these nutrition guidelines are not working. They're not working at all. When, when they put out the food pyramid, there is a direct correlation, which is not always causation, but the food pyramid triggered this like upswing, this parabolic graph that of heart disease, stroke, all, all the nasty things that we already talked about. And it's, it's, it's difficult because there is so much information out there and it's all conflicting because you'll find one study that says eggs are as bad as cigarettes. And then there's another cancer of that is, <laughs> and, then there's, and then there's another study that comes out and says, no, eggs are the perfect food. So what, what do you do? Who do you trust? And I feel at the end of the day, the only person that you can really trust to take care of you is yourself. And when you eat certain foods, you're going to feel a certain way. And when you don't eat certain foods, you're going to feel a certain way. When you, in restriction, there is freedom. When you restrict yourself to certain foods and really dial in and be strict with, you know, whatever diet that it is that you choose, see how you feel doing that, you know? So there's, there's a, a feedback loop in that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that is so true is the thing is people need to start questioning, question, mm -hmm. why am I failing time and time again, when I'm doing what all these experts are telling me is great. I mean, look at all this research. Oh my gosh, look at that. I mean, yeah. I'm the failure. I'm the failure because yes. obviously yes. I didn't restrict enough and I didn't move enough. So it's my fault. Yes. I don't have willpower. I don't, you know, it, it's, it's all my fault. 
What do you say to clients who feel this way? It's more nuanced than that. Because at the end of the day, yes, you do have control over what you eat. Losing weight for me was as difficult as I've heard quitting smoking is. And my mother recounts a story that horrified her when she saw this. We were all out eating at a Mexican restaurant. And here in Texas, I don't know if it's the same elsewhere, but here in Texas, you get free chips. Oh, with yeah. Your meal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And if the basket's empty, it's not empty long. And they just put another one down. Here's salsa. Here's, you know, the green sauce. Here's, here's all this stuff. And creamy jalapeno. That's right. Can't do it anymore. The peppers, the peppers kill me, but it, the mouth pleasure is real. Yes. yes. So she's sitting there and she is watching me compulsively reaching, eating, reaching, eating, reaching, eating. And so there was, it, it, it became a habit me. Mm. And I do have insulin dysfunction in my family. My, okay. (laughs) I do have insulin disruption in my family. My paternal grandfather had type one diabetes. My father has type two. And I was at the very beginning stages of, of insulin resistance. Mm. And because of that, I couldn't eat enough. And of course it was the standard American diet, which was very carb heavy. Um, I, I quite frankly, binged a lot clandestine eating where I would hide the amount of food that, that I would get. I would go to the grocery store and pick up two of them, eat one on the way home of whatever it was, and then have the other one there to put on the shelf to make it look like I'm saving this for later. Oh yeah. 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 We, we can get into all that, all that too. Oh, yeah. But at the end of the day, I found that I did have it within me to say no, because these, these food items that are designed to stimulate those brain chemicals, it's a drug. That's literally the definition of a drug, something mm-hmm. that changes the chemical reaction in your brain. Sugar is as maybe more addicting than cocaine. So When you are putting these things in your body that your body responds to as if it were eating sugar, you are getting these spikes of of these happy hormones from your brain. And the the willpower to say no is inside. It's inside of us all. And it's a matter of either coming up with solutions to either have them not put the chips on the table at all. Or if you need to have that salsa, see if they will, at the Mexican restaurant, this is what I ended up doing, see if they will bring you some vegetables to dip into the salsa. Like they can bring you um, little scoop cups made out of green bell peppers. That's what I'm trying to say. And you just start to make these tiny little course corrections that bring you away from the sugar and you start to break these habits. So you're not just throwing, going to a Mexican food restaurant in the garbage. You're saying I can go eat Mexican food within these boundaries where I don't have chips, I have my vegetables or I don't have chips or vegetables and I just wait for my food to come out. And I have made a good decision because I've looked at the menu before we went. Um, I mean, it's all about behavior modification and Mm. choice at the end of the day. 
Yeah, that is definitely a huge part of it. Did you know at Papacitos, you can get pork rinds? Yeah. I did not know that. Yes, but there can. is, yeah. down the road from me, there's a Mexican food restaurant that also does that. Chicharrones with Blanco Queso. Yes. Can we oh, talk yeah. about this? See, I know, right? <laughs> uh, that is so good. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it, it is absolutely true. There is a huge component of behavioral modification, obviously. But when you have a true addictive brain, where you have a brain illness. I mean, yes, there is a degree where obviously you have to make choices, but it's, it's not as easy. That's just like telling an alcoholic, eh, just don't drink, duh. Like it's that easy. One or two, you know, yeah, just, just moderate that. And there is a lot of issues when you're talking about food, because it's not so easy to avoid food as you can alcohol or drugs. You know, you just don't go into a bar. You don't go get yourself into situations where, you know, there's a lot of drinking or you remove all the, the alcohol from your house with food. That's hard, especially if you have other people in your house. Yeah. yeah. And you have to eat and it's everywhere and it's designed to addict you. So yes. you have all this working against you. So yes, if you, you had a client who is honestly, truly addicted, not just, you know, an emotional eater or a harmful user or whatever, their, their physiology, you know, their, their biological issues going on in their brain. How do you work with them? Like, how do you start them out? I mean, yes, you, you talk about the behavioral changes and stuff like that. What are some steps that you take with them to kind of help them get into that? First, first is empathy, because what they're experiencing is extraordinarily common and they're not alone. They're not alone in it. And as, as a coach, it's my job to guide them through their own process of fixing it for themselves. Mm. And I would begin by asking what triggers this for you? Where, where are you in your day where you stop, your brain puts on the brakes and goes, take me to Whataburger right now or McDonald's. Um, and I need that you know, Whataburger with cheese and fries and a diet Coke, because, you know, you're trying to watch calories. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> done it, done it, guilty. Yep, guilty yep, me too, me too. Um, and you know what? Today we might get a cinnamon roll. Why not? Why not? What, where, where is that in there that you could take a step back, take a deep breath and go, this is not my body's hunger signal. This is something that could be emotional. It could be a habit. It could be they're seeking nostalgia. They're seeking comfort. They're stressed. They didn't sleep enough that night. Mm -hmm. And so you start asking your clients, I start asking my clients <laughs> just questions about let's drill down into the nugget of this behavior. Where is this coming from? What makes you feel this way? And what is it about the food that makes you reach for that instead of exercise or meditation or reading a book or whatever it is? Um, we co-create 
tools and strategies for dealing with obstacles. Like, hey, I've been really solid this week, but I've got a birthday party coming up on Saturday and I'm terrified of the birthday cake. And so we work together. Do you need to eat before? Is there, could you pick up a gluten-free cupcake on the way? You know, could you just eat the cake and move on with no guilt and just pick it, you know, back up the next day? There are definitely two types of people. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you you brought up the, um, the alcoholic situation because I I know that that one's a tough one. Um, Abstainers and moderators. Uh Right. There and it, it's really important to know which one you are. And if yes. you if you think that you're a moderator and you're still having these, you know, uncontrollable sugar cravings and you know, just stop you in your tracks. I gotta, I gotta have something to eat right now every two to three hours. You might be more of an abstainer. <laughs> <laughs> I love and, that you're getting into this. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's it's really difficult. And I I feel that I can speak to this because my mother is a moderator. She can have three potato chips and leave the rest of the pile on her plate. I literally don't get that. I don't understand how someone can do that. And so for me, I have discovered that I am an abstainer and I, it's like one is, one is too many and 10 is not enough. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I, I have to choose zero and, but that's me, you know, there are people who do either the primal or carnivore coming off the sad day at diet, and they're still able to have leftover cheesecake in their refrigerator from the cheesecake factory. I'm, I'm just not one of those people. And when mm-hmm. I accepted that about myself, my life changed. Yes, and yes, yes. when when you work in alignment with the way things are, you find yourself not fighting against the way you things the way that you wish things could be. God, like yes. I, <laughs> I wish that I could go to Thanksgiving and have a piece of pecan pie, but I know that I'm going to have a second or a third piece of pecan pie. <laughs> And, and, you know, around the holidays, I literally just embrace that because I have, I personally, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to, to people who are new. Um, but, but I have just been doing this long enough that I can jump back into my good habits mm-hmm. and I've all, I've, you know, I've, I've never understood the concept of cheat meals. I if know. I can just throw this out there real quick, cheat meals, because cheating implies that you are doing something to better your position or get yourself ahead or some kind of benefit. But if you cheat, that's not actually helping you. If you one day decide I need to have an entire stack of pancakes from IHOP, which is literally like, to me, the worst possible thing that that I could put in my mouth, I, I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to break out. And so to me, cheating, that's not getting ahead. That's like 10 steps back that, you know, have to work through and get over all of that because you're a moderator. I'm a moderator at the end of the day, uh, abstainer. Mm-hmm. I'm an abstainer mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I cannot moderate. And it's just going to turn into a, a cluster when, when I do that to myself. And so I've, I've just not, not done that. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm girl. I feel you. You know what? I, I, I have a hard time understanding those people who are hurt 
honestly moderators. There are those who think they're moderators and they're not, they're kidding themselves because I was like that too, because I desperately wanted to believe all these, you know, experts telling you that you can have whatever food you want. Don't, don't deprive yourself. That is wrong. You should never, ever deprive yourself. You're setting yourself up for a binge. Yes, exactly. So you need to, you need to have what you want. Just moderate it. Ah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I call those people white unicorns. Sure. I, I have known some, my husband is one. So uh, it, it blows my mind, but they do exist. Now, of course, just because they can, doesn't mean it's that's good for them. Good. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and so I think that's hey. a little bit of difference. I mean, it's great moderate yeah. and, and, you know, maybe one chip isn't going to kill you. Okay. Whatever. But mm-hmm. it's still not doing you any good, but I mean, yeah. if it, you know, whatever, if you, if, if it's worth it to you, you know, okay, fine. If you can shut it off. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there are people who have triggers, whether it's a situational trigger, an emotional trigger or an actual food trigger. Like some people just get triggered over certain foods. I have a client who gets triggered over grapes. I get triggered over macadamia nuts. That is completely okay okay for a keto diet, right? And most people would consider that healthy. I can't have a macadamia nut within a mile of me. I will sniff that sucker out and eat the whole entire bag. I don't care if they're the big Costco ones. I will eat them all and I can't help it. It's like, I keep going back going, I'm just going to have a little bit more. They're healthy, a little bit more. That's my trigger food. Can't have it. Even though it's a healthy food, that's not even cupcakes, you know? So everybody has something different. So I think that's very interesting. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, go ahead. Oh, oh, there's nothing free. There's nothing free in the world. So anytime that, that you have a, a snack sensation, uh, they say that every, every snack is an emotional event. So it could be, it could be worth it to investigate, you know, you want a whole bag of macadamia nuts. What is your emotional state at that time? Is it a nostalgia thing? Is it a comfort, you know, so, and, and that's with everything, whether it's chips, Ahoy, Oreos, bluebell ice cream, you know, things that, that that treats something inside mm. of us, self, self-medication with food. And it's a real thing. And so it, it could be worth some investigation because I, I do it all the time. Oh yeah. For me, honestly, it was, it was freaking yummy. It was the fat I was addicted to. Number one, I didn't allow myself to have fat because fat was bad. Right. Right. Yeah, that right. Makes According fat. to the, to, yeah, all the guidelines, fat's bad. Yeah. yeah. You just need a little bit of not even the right kinds of fat. Oh, it's up for olive oil. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's good. But yeah, it was the fat. I craved fat. I wanted fat because I had denied myself for so long. I think that was more of it. And it, it didn't, I had never had macadamia nuts before in my life until I was like, you know, just shortly before I, I, I transitioned to carnivore. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. what? it was yeah. crazy. It was just that, that mouthfeel that, Oh my gosh. And it just sent those, you know, feel good chemicals, just happy, happy dancing in my head. And so, yeah, I knew I had to get rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. Could yep. not control like, myself. Nope. That was done. Nope. Can't have it. Yep. My husband tried to bring them in the house and I'm like, Mm-mm, get them away from me. <laughs> get them out of here. I'm sorry if that affects you, but they're going to have to go because you hide them. I will sniff them out. Seriously. Like a hound dog, you know, it's terrible. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about binging. Yes. 
especially in reference to the sad diet. How does that kind of um, promote binging? I'm not saying a binging is an issue that can even be on a carnivore diet, but let's talk about binging in the reference of the standard American diet as far as carb base goes. Sure. So a standard American diet, which centers around that bottom tier of the food pyramid with the grains, it's not satisfying. There is nothing satisfying about a blood sugar roller coaster. Um, you, you're messing with the hunger and satiety hormones, leptin and ghrelin. And when you are feeding your body something that tricks your body into thinking that you are not full and all, all you're getting is just roughage and basically splinters that go through your digestive system that then impact your intestines and trigger leaky gut and all that. That's, that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> uh, but, but all of those things work in concert to stop you from feeling like you've had enough. And so when, when I was in my younger twenties and put on all of that weight, I was eating cereal and donuts and pizza and all of those hyper palatable foods that I, I mean, I could sit there and eat Oreos until I got sick. Yep. In milk. And yeah. Yes. And they're designed to do that. Um, some people can moderate them and some people cannot. And so for me, food became my drug that I was self-medicating with. And because my hormones were all out of whack because of all that food, you know, drinking diet Coke and everything, I never felt full. And so I would, I'd go to Taco Bell and I would pick up something and I would eat it on my way to Wendy's to take that home to eat. I was eating a tremendous number of calories and the calories that I was eating, they were just making me sick. And because I felt bad, I wanted to eat something else because I wanted to feel good. And so it was like this, feel bad, feel good, feel bad, feel good. It's like, which, where are we today? We're on our way to feeling good. Awesome. You know, I'm, I'm eating and then, well, now I'm done eating. Now I'm on my way to feeling bad. And so it became this just cycle of nonstop binge eating all day long. And it, I, I would have to hide it from people, you know, like I buy two things at the grocery store, eat one on the way home. And that, that's, that's a mental, that's a mental thing. It's, it's tough, but, but there's a, but because there's, there's hope, there's hope at the end of the story. Cause I know that so <laughs> many people go through this, you know, you can't walk past the aisle of cookies at the grocery store or cereal or whatever it is without going, that looks good. I want to eat that and breaking yourself of the, the flavor habit of these designed chemically enhanced foods that have added sugar in, in sneaky ingredients that, you know, maltodextrin, what's that? It's probably a preservative. No, bro, that's sugar. <laughs> and it's spiking your glucose and it's making you want more because it's not satisfying. You're creating a terrible metabolic system, um, metabolic, what's the word I'm looking for? Metabolic A, a really bad systemic metabolic <laughs> situation in your body 
where you have usually high fat and high carb. And when you get sweet fat in your system, your body goes, not today, not today. And it, it's just a car wreck inside of you. When you start eating foods that actually fill you up and serve you in terms of your digestive system, your absorption system, you start to experience true food satiety where you are full and then you wait until you are hungry. And I've often heard it said that if you feel hungry, you're thirsty, but if your stomach growls, that is your body's physical signal to you that you need to eat. And when you eat, it's always better to prioritize protein and then fill the rest with fat. And those two things are found in things like ribeye and tenderloin and sirloin and turkey and cheese, even, you know, if you tolerate dairy. So you got options. Fish, fish is also a good one. And eggs, any, any animal food I have found fits the bill for satisfying me when I am hungry. Yeah. Heck yeah. Okay. But, but doesn't beyond meat fit in with this? I mean, you know, isn't that feeling and nutrient dense? Oh, so there is a, there is a chasm between plant nutrients and animal nutrients. We have as, as humans, as a human race, a species, whatever you want to call us, we all have a digestive system that is a monogut digestive system. We do not ferment the foods that we eat. A gorilla, our, our closest relative, if you know, you're, you're into that, they have a large cecum and that is used to ferment the massive amounts of fruits and vegetables that they eat. That's why they have a huge belly on them that looks like a drum. We don't have that. We have a digestive system that is more closely related to a lion. It's monogut, it's in, we have a a pH or stomach acid is like one or two. I mean, it doesn't get much more acidic than that. We are designed to eat meat. The large, uh, the small intestine digests protein, the large intestine gets all those nutrients, all of your water. It's perfectly designed for meat. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Yeah. Let's go back a little bit and talk about the difference between being satiated versus volume eating, because Mm -hmm. there are those that need to have their gut stretched out to, to have their brain turn on and go, Oh, I'm full now. And then you have the nutrient dense food that you don't necessarily have to eat a crap ton of, but it satisfies you and you feel good. You feel, you know, you don't have to be Thanksgiving full. Talk a little bit about that because I think we see, or I know we see this a lot more in the standard American diet, because like you said, you, the whole, uh, you know, as you talked about the, the, the types of food and you have to keep eating more and more and more talk about that, how that Mm -hmm. works. You become a black hole when, when you're on the sad diet, it's there, there is no food that is carb based that will fill a human being up to a level of satisfaction. And the stomach stretching sensation 
being uncomfortable is not the same thing as being full. And, and I think that it, it might even be more than a physical sensation. It is a biological metabolical sensation. <laughs> 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 metabolic sensation. I've, I have a, someone putting mail down on the table. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Throwing me off. Oh, right, right. R- remind me what I was talking about. The difference between volume eating and um, uh, being like actual satiate from the right. So, so when you are metabolically full, that is a hormonal reaction to the food that you're eating. It has nothing to do with the volume of food in your stomach. It has nothing to do with the number of calories that you have ingested. It has nothing to do with this massive salad that you have forced yourself to finish. I've, I've done it. I have done it in my quest for health. I've done it. Me too. Um, So, so when, because as, as you know, I can eat like an entire cake by myself, but when I'm sitting down to my ribeye and eggs at some point, there is something inside of me that intuitively says, okay, Kimberly, it's time to put the fork down. Yes. You, you reach a point where you look at it and you go, Ooh, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Like everyone's been to the all you can eat Brazilian steakhouse places. You get the meat sweats and everything and you're just, you, you can't. No. But if that were an all you could eat pizza bar, mm-hmm. I can, I can, Little Caesars back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. But now it's, it is far different. And when you get away from those super sweet, super carby foods, you allow that endocrine reaction to actually putting food fuel in your body and your body goes, thank you. That's enough. Whereas before it's like, I can't get enough. And all that is, is just making the choices to move you away from the sad diet. I, I totally agree with that. And I can remember just having to continually eat, 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 and eat. Now I understand it's because I wasn't getting the nutrients my body needed desperately, specifically protein. And, you know, it it does make a huge difference because now, you know, when people look at what I eat, they're like, "Uh, you're not eating enough. Um, well, yeah, actually I am because what I am eating is extremely nutrient dense. It's got, you know, a good amount of fat. It's got, you know, all the nutrients I need packaged, you know, like a a burger, an eight ounce burger has a decent amount of calories, a decent amount of fat and a good amount of protein. So it's like this little, you know, package of nutrient dense yumminess. And so you don't have to eat 15 meat patties, like you would have to eat another uh, food on the sad diet to get the same amount, which you, you, you couldn't get the same amount of nutrients. Anyway, you couldn't yeah. eat enough of it to get the nutrients. Right. I find that's right. really interesting. And you yeah. know, when you talked about the, the, your stomach growling, mm-hmm. you know what my signal is? And this is really bizarre, a loud hiccup, one inhale of a hiccup. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, I, I'm like, oh, what is that? 
it's, it's, it's a really loud hiccup. That's my grandbaby. She's not, I love that. I'm not getting her up from her nap. So there you go. <laughs> Nana is getting her. So <laughs> you know what? Life happens in the background. That's okay. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we did talk a little bit about breaking habits. What are some tips you can give somebody to kind of help them break the habits of eating this processed food that is so prevalent in the standard American diet? Sure. I, I would say examine your day. Look at where you are during the day where you are eating certain things. If there's a time during the day where you feel the need to reach for a granola bar because you're having a little slump or you want that fourth cup of coffee or, or whatever it is, see if you can find even temporarily a, a substitute for that or a replacement even because we would go forward with this. Um, a replacement for that in the form of maybe boiled eggs or bacon or cheese, or literally if you have a craving for something sweet, sip heavy cream. There are things that you can use where food becomes a tool to help you get beyond your cravings. Cravings last physically, mentally about two minutes. So if you can find anything in the world to distract yourself for two minutes, you have a chance of just moving on with your day and being like, okay, I didn't need that as much as I thought that I did. Um, and the, the other thing is making sure that as we just talked about, you are eating a nutrient dense diet. And I, I mean, I would argue that even having a salad with grilled chicken and a high quality ranch dressing is still better than McDonald's for lunch. You, then you get into how intense with this do you want to be because then you're possibly dealing with oxalates in the spinach and you know the difference between folic acid and folate that you get from plant and animal foods with the digestibility and and some of the plant nutrients just aren't accessible to us because of our digestive system. We're, we're kind of coming full circle to everything that we, that we talked about. Um, but as far as revitalizing, taking some first steps to reclaiming your health is we all know kind of what's, what's good and bad. And so if you start looking at your health and wellness as a big block of marble, Michelangelo did not carve David using the chisel first. He started taking huge chunks of that thing off of there. So you know that fast food does not serve you. You know that pizza at 1030 is probably not the best choice. There are things that we all know we need to stop doing, you know, drinking six sodas a day. So you just start making these little corrections, these little adjustments like, if you're drinking six sodas a day, maybe you switch to four sodas a day and two of those are sparkling waters instead. And then you gradually do three and then four and then five and then you're off the soda. And then you can start on something else. Whether that's the, I'm gonna just drive by Shipley's and not get my morning cinnamon roll or I'm gonna be sure and boil eggs and then take six peeled boiled eggs with me so that I can eat them while I am driving by Shipley's to still have that oral fixation satisfied, 
but I'm eating something that's going to serve me because you can only eat so many boiled eggs, but you can eat a dozen donuts. So, oh yeah. Yeah, it, it's round rock donuts. Girl, have you had those? There you go. I have not. And I never will. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a good thing. You don't. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. I, I literally could not. I, I actually had one bite of a carrot the other day, because I'm doing an experiment with my dog and he's getting carrots for fiber. He needs to lose a little bit of weight. Um, and I took one bite of his carrot. I, I almost, I thought I was not going to make it. My stomach bloated <laughs> up. I started to get bubble gut. It, I was very uncomfortable and I, I didn't realize, and, I, and I've realized it since, but in the beginning, I didn't realize how much these foods were affecting me until I stopped eating them. And ditto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my father has gone through something similar. His, he had very high triglycerides and his cardiologist told him, you've got to change what you're eating. His, his triglycerides were something like 600. Mm-hmm. And he, he called me and he's like, Hey, I'd like your help because my cardiologist said that I need to do, to do this. Cause I, and I'd like to come off my you know, diabetes medication and everything. And I said, sure, I'd love to help. And so I went over and we started going through exactly what I've told you here. You know, where can, where can you make your change that you can stick with? And well, I can do this and this, okay, then do it. And his triglycerides in six weeks were down to 150. Wow. Purely diet. Huge. Wow. Nothing else. He changed nothing else. And I am insanely proud of all the hard work that he's done. He has maintained it. Wow. But all of this to say Thanksgiving just happened. And mm. he had a day where he had the pumpkin pie and the pecan mm. pie and the you know, mashed potatoes and this and that and all mm-hmm. the rolls and all of that. He felt like, you know what, the next day. Mm. And he called me and I could just hear it in his voice. And, and you know, you know, whatever. Oh, you know, I can't believe that I did. Yes. And, and he had that. He's like, I'm never doing that again. And so these changes over time do become self-perpetuating where you don't even have to think about it anymore. You don't want to eat that food anymore because you would rather feel good consistently than have these ups and downs with this food. And it's, it's harder, I think, than maybe we make it sound just because we're, we're kind of on the other side of it. You know, we've already gone through this and we're like, Oh, you know, you just have to make the choice. It's hard. It's it is. hard. Sure. It's it probably one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do. But if I had to do it all over again, I would have started sooner. Quite yeah, frankly. me too. Me too. If I had the yeah. knowledge I have now, and I think that's where we're getting as far as why we do what we do. because we didn't know what we didn't know. Mm -hmm. And now that we do, it's like, there's so many people who don't know what they don't know. know? Yes. Yes. And it's, it's not that the doctors necessarily are wrong in telling people these things, but like my dad's cardiologist, he said, you know, you need to, you need to do something. You need to do the keto diet, you know, just try the keto diet. And my dad in the office said, well, how do I, how do I do keto? Like, I don't, how do I do that? And the doctor was like, I don't know, Google it. That was literally his response. So there is a huge gap between patients walking out of that office, receiving medical advice to change their diet, which I think is wonderful 
to actually knowing what to do and having someone there to tell them that it's okay to mess up. You're going to, um, you just keep going. Let's talk about it. Let's come up with some solutions together because I've been where you are. I know how you feel. And I know that you want to feel good again. And I want to help you. And that's where a, a nutrition coach or a wellness coach or, you know, the Sean Baker's Rivero program with the Meet RX coaches there, anyone who will help you do this, I, I think is worth a shot. Because if you want something you've never had, which is effortless health and feeling great all the time and stable mood and clear skin and thick hair and thick nails and all of the benefits, you've got to do something you've never done. And that could be quitting sugar. It could be not drinking so much wine at night. It could be, you know, and, I, and I'm pulling from my own life of things that, that I have done. Um, but there, there's always a place to start. And sometimes it can be very overwhelming, especially if you've received a diagnosis where now all of a sudden you're having to eat for your medical health, for your life. Yes. And yes. reaching out to a coach can definitely make that process a little bit less intimidating. I 100% agree with that. And you're right, there is a huge gap there. And you know, and, and it's not even that a doctor is bad, or, you know, whatever. Right, they, right. number one, were not trained in nutrition, like you would wish they were, because it is so incredibly important. That's not how they were trained. And, you know, they usually deal with the issue after it's already there. It's not about preventative care. You can call it whatever you want. It's not preventative. And yeah. um, that's it's just how they're care. trained. They care for yeah. you when you're sick. Exa exactly. Sick yeah. care. That's exactly what it is. You know, fair enough. Yeah. And yeah. so you do have that gap. And even, you know, when you're talking about a nutritionist and a dietitian, they were trained in, you know, certain ways that may mm -hmm. not necessarily be the best for you. So sometimes yeah. it is good to go outside of the box and get you yeah. a coach or somebody who has, you know, really researched that and yeah. has, you know, lived it too. And so, you know, it is so incredibly important. There is that, that gap there that we try to fill, you know, it's, it's very important. Okay. So our time is about up. So do you have any last minute things you want to, uh, tell people like some words of encouragement or anything like that? Some extra tips that you haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Um, if you're feeling, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling like you can't do something, if you are coming off of another failed diet attempt. Uh, you know, here we are coming up on, on the new year. This may be posted after, but resolution time is around the corner. And, and maybe by the time this video has played, you're, you know, knee deep in old habits. It's okay. You know, these, these are lifelong habits that have been established. And even if you are struggling in, in this part of your life, there is hope. I believe that you have the power to change. And it's just a matter of everyone has had successes in their life. And so if you look back at all the times that you have succeeded in anything that you were trying to do, that's a history of success. So apply that moving forward. You are a successful person. And you will have success at this. 
You just have to find your formula that works for you. And once you do that, you can stick with it. It becomes effortless and it will change your life and the changes will stick. And you'll be able to keep up with your kids or do that bikini competition or whatever it is. Even if it's just to feel better, if you just want to wake up and not be tired, this is your year. So never hesitate to reach out to someone for help. You're never, ever alone. Um, there are so many people out there that, that want to help. And I love how you said, find what works for you. And I think it's also important for people to understand that just because something works for your nap, you now, it may not work for you next week. You have to continue to evolve, to improve, to find what it is that your body is asking you for and situations change, stress changes, your body changes, your environment changes, and it's, it's all, you know, part of the puzzle. So you have to keep changing. So I love how you brought that in, that it's an individual thing for sure. Well, Kimberly, it has been a pleasure talking with you. And hey, while y'all are here, subscribe to my channel and go follow Kimberly. And thanks again so much for coming on. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. Bye, Kimberly. Bye.